Hey there, freaks. I think I'm just going to start doing this normally because it fucks up the flow when we're, when we're live. This episode of Rabbit Hole Recap was brought to you by the Cash App. You freaks already know all about them. If you don't have them downloaded yet, what the fuck are you waiting for? And when you do download them, make sure you use the code STACKINGSATS. That's going to get you $10. And then $10 is going to go, go to our friends at Owls Lacrosse. Owls Lacrosse. And what's going to happen when you download it? You're going to get uh, a bunch of stuff. You're going to get Cash App Investing, which lets you stack slivers of stonks. If your favorite stonk is just a little bit too expensive and you don't want to buy a whole piece of it, uh, Cash App Investing is letting you, letting you buy excuse me, as little as $1. And because your um, Cash App is connected directly to your bank account, you don't have to wait. There's no four to five day waiting period. You're going to be able to invest right away. All right? You're not going to have to wait. Um, Cash App Investing is member SIPC. Uh, excuse me, it's a subsidiary of Square uh, and is member SIPC. And on top of that, you're still going to be able to stack sats, sell sats, send sats, receive sats, and you get the boost program. I've been using their boost program uh, pretty much every day. If, if, if you guys aren't checking that out and you have the cash app, make sure you're checking the boost because they change it uh, pretty pretty aggressively. Um, and you're missing out on those deals if you're not checking it. So go download the cash app, use the code stacking sats, get your $10, send it to Al's, and just be dope. All right. This episode is also brought to you by Unchained Capital. Our great friends at Unchained are doing incredible things in the Bitcoin financial services realm, mainly uh, with multi-sig and lending. All right. So they got their vaults program, which lets you enter in a multi-sig quorum with Unchained where they can act as a signer in the quorum. If you ever need to move funds from your Unchained vault, Unchained is there for you. If you want to move them yourself, you can have two of three or M of N and move it yourself as well. On top of that, they have their lending side. So if you don't want to sell your Bitcoin, friends don't let their friends sell Bitcoin. Uh, you can use your Bitcoin as collateral for a US dollar loan uh, so you can get liquid and not have to sell your Bitcoin. On top of that, they're doing incredible stuff uh, when it pertains to open sourcing their products and working on open source projects in Bitcoin. Most notably, they have Caravan, which open sources their multi-sig quorum, so you can create that yourself and just cut Unchained out if you so please. They're working on things like Slip39 uh, and Hermit as well, and then Parker, Dhruv, Joe, Phil Geiger and company are writing some incredible content on their blog. Parker, most notably, has Gradually Then Suddenly, which got tweeted out by uh fidelity assets this week fucking awesome fidelity digital assets they're uh pumping out good content so go to unchained-capital.com that's unchained-capital.com check it out set up a vault take out a loan if you if you don't want to sell your bitcoin check them out enjoy this episode good rip what is up freaks welcome back to tales from the crypt it's your boy marty bent here with our boy matt odell bullish as fuck <laughs> For another edition of Rabbit Hole Recap. Bullish as fuck. Why is that? Is that because we're at uh, sitting at $9,735.00 according to Clark Moody's Bitcoin dashboard? I'm just, I feel it in the air. It feels like the bull's back. Oh. I'm like, I was feeling the same way a couple days ago. Now it's like at the point where everybody's bullish and that always like makes me. Gotta stay humble. Crazy skeptical. Um, we're at block height 616273 um, this week, this is a topic we threw on on the end of the list, but might as well mention it now while we have Clark's, uh, Clark's dashboard up in front of us, the number of transactions that have ever been, uh, conducted on the Bitcoin network passed, uh, 500 million this week, earlier this week, currently sitting at 500,489,783 transactions. Um, 
that's pretty cool. With nine million alone this last thirty days. Yeah. So Massive. That's a that's a lot of transactions. Half a bill. Um, nobody uses Bitcoin. Nobody uses it. Um, that's uh yeah. Again, that's a, a stat that can be gamed. Super easy to game. Super easy to game, but it's actually expensive to game. Um, Satoshi Dice proved that with lesser, uh, with blockchains with lesser um, uh, fee pressure. Fee pressure. Uh, like if fees are super cheap, you can just send millions and millions of transactions to yourself. Yeah. Yeah. For like no cost. Yeah. Um, That's so why like EOS, it looks like EOS has so many transactions. Yeah, and uh, BSV, they do this with their weather data and shit like that. Yeah, pretty much all the altcoins, but just to different levels, right? Like on Ethereum, it's happened. Yeah. Or at least just, it could it could happen very easily. Yes. A lot of, a lot of gameable, gameable stats out there. The, uh, the cost for including transactions isn't high enough. Um, and the network effect isn't great enough. We got a shout-out this week. I like the shout-out. We'll get into this, and then we'll get into the topics. Uh, this is a Bitcoin developer shout-out. Hanadi, not sure what that means. Massive shout out to Bitcoin core developer uh, Hebasado. Hebasto? Hebasto. How do you spell it? H E B A S T O. Um, keep grinding. PR reviewing machine. Pick them up square. Check them out on github.com slash Hebasto. Again, that's H E B A S T O. His Twitter is at H H E B A S T O. This is a PSA. Please directly support any and all Bitcoin Core developers. Uh, they are your front line for securing the pr- protocol and ultimately your Bitcoin. Thank you to all Bitcoin developers. Don't know who that's from. Well, thank you for the shout out and thank you for your service, Hebasto. Hebasto. Yeah, I've not had, uh, honestly, Hebasto is not on my radar. Uh, thanks for pointing that out, whoever. Could have been Hebasto. This could be a self pump. We don't know. <laughs> I think I kind of dig that too. Um, and the other thing to mention here is that GitHub has a Patreon-esque program now. I think they call it GitHub Sponsors. Yes. Um, which is clearly not censorship resistant, but you can set up month- monthly reoccurring donations to anyone, any developer who's enabled it through GitHub. And right now, I think Microsoft, who owns GitHub now, I think they're matching, they're matching donations for a promotional period. So you can get Microsoft to contribute to Core Devs. Uh, I know Jeremy, Jeremy yeah. Rubin set his up. I saw that. Exactly. So Microsoft matches a bunch of those donations. I didn't know they were matching. Good for Microsoft. Probably not forever. No, no, no. It's definitely just because they just launched the the program. Yeah. So go support your local Bitcoin dev if you want to. You can do it individually. Um, it's a big... Uh, Jeremy and I talked about it when he was on the podcast a f- few weeks ago. It's a big... Uh, I mean, it's a problem that's getting becoming less of a problem, in my opinion, with the Square Cryptos... Uh, chain codes, block streams, digital garages of the world, and then you have individual funders as well. I think as Bitcoin becomes more ingrained in society, the the uh, incentive to support these developers is just uh, going to become more obvious and more commonplace. I would love if... Have you seen how BTC Pay handles their contributor donations? Like you go to their webpage and they have faces of of a bunch of the different contributors to BTC pay server. And if you click their face, it goes to their individual BTC pay instance where you can donate like instantly. Um, it'd be pretty awesome if we had a site that just had, uh, like a bunch of core devs listed and you could just click, click their name and, GitHub. and pay them. GitHub. 
Yeah, but it'd be nice to do if you could do it with Bitcoin, like easily, okay. all in one place. Like a bunch of them have donation ability, you know, set up with Bitcoin. But it'd be nice if there was just a, like a, a single page because sometimes I'll just go to BTC Pay and I'll just like just rain dollars on each of them. You know? <laughs> Speaking of which, how about that dude wearing a BTC Pay hat at uh, the Lakers Portland game? That was bittersweet because I. Dude, if you're listening, fuck yeah, that's awesome. I felt bad, a little bit bad retweeting it, right? No, he's, because like you kind of doxed him a little bit. We kind of doxed him a little bit, you know. He was on TV, he doxed himself. I know, no, I agree. And it was a blurry face. Yeah, was, if you're gonna go, if you're gonna go, face. if you're gonna go into a place with a bunch of cameras with the possibility of being on TV, you're doxing yourself. I, don't, I didn't feel. I, some people tried to call us out for that. I did not feel bad about that. Yeah, I mean, I retweeted. I thought it's mostly just extremely badass. I love this hat. It's my favorite hat. I wear it like every day now. Yeah. Um, yeah, that was fucking cool. Let's yeah. see more of those hats places. Yeah. Um, no, and it actually, it helped uh, bump the sales of those hats over the weekend, too. And then, reminder, 25% of the profits from these hats are going to BTC Pay. Um, still have to coordinate how we're going to hand off the Oh, donations. I know how we're going to. How? I was supposed to talk to you about it before the pod. Rockstar reached out. He yeah, he wants it converted to hats and brought to San Francisco. Okay, we can do that. Yeah. Yeah, that's what I told them as well. Yeah, it's pretty easy. Um, yeah, we'll do that uh, again. Uh, we haven't like those are, haven't been flying off the shelf. We've sold a considerable amount, um, but uh, it's a great way to support BTC Pay and and their efforts. It's so, a sick fucking hat, and it's, it's opsec friendly. Yeah, unless you get on TV and someone tweets out a picture of you. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, so those hats are there. Go check them out. Um, we got a long list today. It's been a big week. A lot has been announced. Uh, prices obviously going up a bit. And a lot of shit going on around the world. Coronavirus has not gone away. It's still here. Um, and I get, but we'll start with some Bitcoin related stuff. Casa, uh, I'm sure some of you freaks saw their announcement. Jeremy Welch just taking a step back. Uh, to deal with some uh, family issues and uh, Jameson and uh, Nick Newman are taking over the reins of the company. Uh, on top of that, they will no longer be selling their nodes. So the Casa um, node two is um, is uh, going to be the last hardware node they, they release, at least uh, at this point. Uh, they've also reduced their gold package to $10 per month and they're uh, really going to focus in on, on the self-sovereignty security uh, aspect of their business, really focusing on inheritance, uh, uh, self-custody, and all that, that good stuff. Yeah, so Nick Newman's going to be the new CEO, um, and him and Lop are going to take over a lot of the roles that, uh, that Jeremy had before. So that seemed like a good team to lead. Uh, Nick is awesome. I've talked to Nick a lot. Uh, Jameson's, everyone knows Jameson. Nick's more behind the scenes. Um, as for the node, they're shipping out the node twos to anyone who's already ordered it, but they're stopping new sales and they're going to open source the code so anyone can run their own. Um, shout out to White Rabbit BTC, who um, he just he installed my node to his Casa node too. Instead, he wiped Casa's software and just put my node on it, which might be a good option for people to consider. Uh, you just basically load my note onto the SD card and because it's just a Raspberry Pi with SSD already. Then you get Electrum, all the other stuff that my note already offers. Um, more open lightning experience. You get to use Zap and Zeus and stuff like that. 
the ten dollar multisig is a pretty seems like a pretty it's a gold plan ten dollars a month so like almost half the price and just so you're paying basically to have uh, a service provider in my opinion be there to, to sign for you if you need them yeah it's a super easy interface uh you can use it with uh a hardware wallet you can use it with two hardware wallets or you can use it with a hardware wallet and your phone holding a key uh you can use different brands, relatively easy. I've tested it all out. Uh, it's fantastic. Uh, with the one caveat with all these co-signer services is that they do know your balances and your addresses and you're trusting their node in terms of like verifica- verification of your, of your Bitcoin. Um, but as far as multisig, it's a very easy option. Yeah, so that's there. Um, thoughts and prayers going out to Jeremy and his family. Uh, I know it had to be tough to take a step back for that, but it, it must be serious if that's... Uh that's the case. Family first. Family first. Much love. Much yeah. love. Yeah. Hey, we tell people to fucking speak up. We speak up. It seems to have worked, uh, particularly with Wasabi. It was like a day later. <laughs> so if you freaks haven't heard yet, they've fixed the, uh, excuse me, they removed the fixed fee address. Um, yeah, so now every good. round, it fetches a new fee address from the coordinator um, and then they have like a fallback hard-coded XPUB um, if, it, if it's not able to pull the address. So, I mean, that's, it's good to see. Uh, it's definitely an improvement. It's a slight improvement. People should understand that you can still easily see these coin joins on chain. Um, but hopefully we've seen a bunch of flags recently. I think we've seen, what did we say, four flags uh, four or five times exchanges have flagged it. And, you know, exchanges are supposed that are, that are compliant, compliant exchanges um, they're making like a best attempt to to police suspicious activity. So hopefully this gives them a little bit more plausible deniability. It's not like right in their face uh, that this transaction was like one hop away from an illicit transaction. So, yeah, so so hopefully we'll see. It, it's, it's good to see. It's a nice, nice improvement. But I still personally, I still really... I really like that transaction zero model uh, that that Samurai is using. Like the idea that you have all of the UTXOs are exactly the same amount um, seems superior to me. Yeah, well, and it seems like the uh, the market is liking it more too. It was a big month for Samurai Whirlpool usage. This is your tweet: all time high across pools when weighted by pool size. So what are, what are we looking at here? What are these charts? So I took uh, I took the amount of rounds. Each round in Samurai is five UTXOs. So I multiplied that by the pool size and by five because there's five UTXOs. And then I added it all up to give like a, the amount of Bitcoin that's gone through because there's three different pool sizes, right? And you really, they're independent liquidity pools, but it's just like a nice little metric uh, to track it. Yeah, and what did it come out to? Like 350 Bitcoin or something like that? 356. But you have to keep in mind those are remixes and stuff. Um, and you also have to keep in mind that this is still way less than Wasabi volumes. Yes. Um, and this is big, big jump. I mean, uh, there was a... The previous high was 303.55 Bitcoin in uh, October of 2019, and it uh, fell over the over the course of the end of the last year to 172.9 Bitcoin. These are uh, monthly numbers. Uh, in December, and then January had a big pop. 
more than double what it did in uh, December. So part of the reason is because they're testing out mobile mixing, and I'm in the beta test of that, or the alpha test, I guess, even. Uh, so, I mean, that's the expectation. The expectation is when people can just, you know, pair their phone to their dojo with a QR code and just press the mix button on their phone, uh, there'll be a lot more liquidity. Because the one thing about the transaction zero model that Samurai uses is that it does require constant new liquidity entering the system. Um, because otherwise mixes won't happen. Every mix requires uh, at least two. Uh, my understanding is the way it's set up right now is that at least two uh, new, new UTXOs that have never been mixed before have to come in and they pay for the actual round of the mix, right? Yes. So, I mean, and this is a big time. Like somebody, the Monero, there's more Monero stands in my Manchies this morning, man. You know, people love Monero. It's so annoying, though. So like, that's, I mean, and it is, we've talked about this a lot, uh, an easy, um, not attack vector, but an easy thing to point at and say, hey, Bitcoin's insufficient in this area, mainly being privacy. It's so, like its biggest insufficiency, to be fair. Yeah, but, yeah. and again, I've said this many times in the bent, there may be an order of operations to this thing. And I think uh, securing uh, the assurances around the hard cap of the supply uh, trumps privacy um, at the protocol level. Uh, because as we're seeing, you can, uh, you can number one, get privacy with coin joins if you use them correctly. Uh, we have no idea who sent us that shout out. Um, but we could potentially dox them if we wanted to try. If we wanted to try. Yeah, yeah that's true. All right, so that's not a good point. But uh, hopefully Lightning will help with this, and then I think there are protocol improvements on the horizon that will that will help w enable more unique or creative coin join schemes. And I think privacy, as we move more to a closed-loop system, will will get better over time. I think it has gotten better over time. Do you think it has gotten better or worse? It's gotten significantly better. Just the fact that we have uh, Wasabi and Samurai right now working on these coin join um, tools is a huge improvement. I mean, what when did when did Wasabi launch? What did we say two years ago? Was it September? Was of, it even two years ago? I thought it was like last summer. It was like a year and a half. It was like September of not last year, but the year before, right? Yeah. Um, and now Samurai's in like full swing. They're about to get the mobile mixing. You know, I, I think Lightning, when we talk about it a lot, it, I think it helps, Lightning helps a lot more when it comes to like sender, when you're, send, when you're the sender, helps you with a lot of you know privacy. I could see a lot of privacy improvements there. Um, receiving, you know, maybe a little bit less so. Because, uh, yeah, but but I think we're we're going up, but it's definitely Bitcoin's biggest, you know, if you, 99.9% .9 of people are not going to be able, especially if they ever use a KYC service, are, are not going to be able to use Bitcoin privately uh, right now. Like, it's just, there's too many pitfalls. Yeah, but with that being said, our friend Hodlewave, who's bursting onto the scene with a bunch of dope shit, he's lined up for our next topic, but he actually just tweeted something out like two hours ago that's relevant to this topic. Even if the ownership identity, this is his tweet, at Hodlewave, even if the ownership identity of every UTXO was public information, that doesn't prohibit perfect privacy from being recaptured at some point in the future. However, in my opinion, there's a stronger argument that we can only lose security 
and digital scarcity assurances one time. Once they're gone, you're not going to get them back. General reasoning for this, Bitcoin scarcity is enforced at the protocol level, nodes validating monetary policy and transaction rules. Bitcoin has no concept of human identity, just transaction outputs that can be unlocked cryptographically. Notions of privacy largely center around how we interact with the protocol, for example, buying from KYC exchanges subject to government regulations, broadcasting transactions that network observers can use to make inferences about ownership, and to some extent, there are already solutions that solve these problems for those that can use them. BIS network is one, running a node and broadcasting transactions over Tor is another, increased liquidity resulting in more of Ragnar's Bitcoin circular economy. That's coming. It's just going to take time. And it's just a, 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 the nature of the traditional system interacting with this alien technology. Yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't disagree. I just, you know, obviously, uh, if we fuck up the, the soundness of Bitcoin supply, then it's, it's hard to ever come back from that. Um, as far as every UTXO being known, or like that, you know, you take it to its logical extent that every single UTXO is known, it would be hard to, it would, it would, we would be in a hard time that like for actual Bitcoiners, like the system could survive and we would probably, it would probably usher in more privacy you know, things, things to make it more private to combat it. But like if we had states coming at us and like most UTXOs are known, like it would be really bad for Bitcoiners in that particular time. Yes. But again, it's, it's what's, what's easier to preserve. Like you could find privacy in the future. Once, once the uh, assurance of the supply caps broken, you don't really get that back. No. Yeah. You have to be conservative. You have to be extremely conservative. Um, but it needs to be, it's got to be more of a priority, you know, like, I think it is. I think there's, there's a lot of Bitcoiners that's, they don't think they have anything to hide. They don't have any desire for it. And I, I wish that they realize that even if they, for whatever reason, even if I disagree with that, they think they don't need privacy. It's better for the whole system. Um, if these tools get built out sooner rather than later. Uh, because we, and we, as Bitcoiners, we need to be ready before you need them. Yeah. Um, and it, it is, it is a decent attack vector for individual states going against individual Bitcoiners, not necessarily as a network attack vector. Agreed. But I'm confident that the tools are being built and they will be brought to market. And again, Rome wasn't built in a day. Like, yes. I'm, I'm cautiously bullish. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. As am I. But sticking on Hotwave, this dude's a beast. He's been working on a Python wallet that aims to improve the experience of using Bitcoin Core for PSBT enabled uh, multi-signature signature cold storage. So basically, it's very hard to interact with a Bitcoin Core wallet at this point. Uh, cold Card is probably the only one that has PSBT enabled uh, uh, out of the box. Treasure added it, didn't they? I think they might have. Um, they might have, but Hotwave's... Uh, making it seem like cold, uh, cold card uh, is the only uh, hardware wallet to, to integrate it natively at this point. Basically, the tool will allow you to uh, create PSBTs with Bitcoin Core more easily because right now you have to interact with the JSON RPC call, which is I couldn't do that. If Basically, I the way I look at it is it falls in a similar role as Justin Moon's Junction uh, aims to fill, which is the idea that you run Bitcoin Core 
you run proof wallet. So you run Bitcoin core plus one app, and then you can create, you can use it with multi-sig wallets, right? Whether you have a key on your computer, if you use a stateless hardware wallet, you can use a quorum of a bunch of different brands of hardware wallets, and you're able, able to make a, like a sovereign multi-sig solution where you use your own node and you don't trust any third parties relatively easily. And I, you know, I'm really bullish on this concept as a whole. Like, I think that's where we need to go. I think Electrum's too complicated for most people. Um, and yeah, but anyway, he has this, it's released in testnet only right now. Don't, you know, um, don't go using it on mainnet. Yeah. And, but go test it out, you know, submit some pull requests. He's looking for help. Yeah. We'll link um, to the GitHub. It's a laudable goal. Yeah. And, um, now again, like interacting with Bitcoin core using JSON RPC is not for, uh, the technically inept, which I am. I fall into that category. Yeah, no doubt. I mean, PSBTs haven't been added. They're relatively recent to core anyway. So. Yeah. Um, and they, they help with privacy, right? In a way, like you, if you construct a transaction offline and broadcast it somewhere completely different. I mean, like everything else. Yeah, nuance, I guess you could nuance, do that. Nuance. But yeah, there's a lot of nuance there. Um, yeah. So this is... Uh, but it you- definitely... Stuff like Proof Wallet helped. If PSBTs help enable more people to use their own full node when they're checking their wallet, uh, like their, their balances and stuff. And that's huge. Like one of the biggest privacy vulnerabilities that no one ever talks about is like fucking all the people using Trezor and Ledgers, right? That's like two sets of servers that just have like tons of UTXO data. Well, um, that's actually, uh, we don't have this in the list. I'm happy you brought that up. Malik, uh, pointed it out earlier this week, the uh, number of nodes running through Tor. Is that an all-time high right now? Well, for it's it's nodes that contribute uh, that seed blocks to the network. Okay. Um, so there is visible nodes, right? Like Luke has his famous uh, chart where non-listening nodes. Non-listening nodes. Um, the other thing is BitNodes finally like fixed their crawler. So for a while it was underreporting Tor nodes, and then the other thing is it's I think it's like sixteen percent of of reachable nodes that BitNodes is pulling up, uh, which is fucking great to see. Uh, the only reason it's the most is because all the other ones are split out by ISP, right? So okay. like you have like AWS nodes, you have Azure nodes, you have all the different ISPs where they're located. Um, and like Tor is the biggest group of those, mm-hmm. uh, but still fucking awesome to see. And I feel like it's, I feel like a lot of it is because of lightning. Um, Natively just running it through Tor things like. There's such an advantage to running a lightning node through Tor uh, because if you don't, you're literally just exposing your, completely your your public balance your public capacity your public balance there yeah um then maybe more people are are running bitcoin core nodes through tor as well yeah no and this is actually a good segue into the bitmax research they 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 were listening to the pod how cool is this this is like them and wasabi yeah um so bitmax research they updated uh their most recent uh actually i don't know if it's their most recent post. i think it was part seven of their Lightning Network series. They've been doing an incredible series on the Lightning Network, just explaining how it works, uh, uh, dissecting data. One of the most recent, I think it's the most recent, I don't know if Part 8's out yet. Um, they, they broke down the proportion of public versus private nodes, which we talked about last week, and um, the, the breakdown of channels, excuse me, not private and public nodes, private and public channels. Breakdown is uh, about 72% public and 28% um, private uh, but that does not tell us how much bitcoin is locked in there 
they went back and crunched the numbers after we asked about that. And the, uh, the private note influence is, uh, is a little, uh, less when you take that into consideration. Private channel. No, pr- private channel yeah. influence is less because as a per- percentage of total Bitcoin locked, again, uh, the number of channels is 28% private, 72 public. The amount of Bitcoin locked in, I don't know the exact it's 12%. Number. Yeah, it's 12% and 88. So 12%. So yeah, 28% of channels are private and they account for 12% of the, the Bitcoin. capacity yeah. on the Lightning Network is the estimate. Yes, um, and they're pulling data from 1ML. They're using 1ML.com's API. And the non-cooperative closes and extrapolating. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that, you know, that kind of makes sense to me. I, th- I didn't listen back to our last RHR, but I think that's what we were guessing. Um, yeah. Maybe we weren't, though. I don't know. But it, that makes sense to me because private channels are usually from a mobile wallet to, like, one routing node, two routing nodes, Um you know, routing nodes don't really use private channels. Do private channels help with privacy? I mean, they they do a little bit because you're not publicly broadcasting the capacity. But the end node um, knows where it's coming from. I think Taproot should help more because you can still see it on chain. That's how they're extrapolating here. But I guess it just looks like a two of two multi-sig unless it's a non-cooperative close. And then you can tell that it's a lightning transaction. Lightning open close. Um, So private channels do help, but obviously they're not going to help you with the node you're connected to. Um, And when you're receiving, the sender doesn't know that the private channel is there. So you actually have to, your invoice gives up that that private channel exists to let it know. It gives a routing hint to let it know. So you're trusting that the person that you're sending an invoice to isn't sharing that information. Right. And then this is different than running a node through Tor or running it on ClearNet. You can run a node on ClearNet and also use private channels. Uh, so obviously best to use Tor plus private channel. Yeah. Um, but it seems to me, I mean, I, you know, we're not experts, but it seems to me that like if you run a Tor node, you run a personal Tor node, you have a private channel open with like one big node that you like kind of trust. Um, as long as that big node doesn't fuck around with you, you probably have pretty good sending privacy. And if you coin join before you go into, before you open the channel in the first place, so you like coin join, have a Tor node, open a channel with one, a, one big channel with a, a routing node of choice, and then never receive, only send, you might have some, there, there seems like privacy gain there. Yeah, it seems like it. Tim Ruffing sunned me on Twitter a few months ago. When I, when I, when yeah. I, I mean, you're still kind of, you're trusting that routing node. That routing node could just be logging everything, and then there's zero privacy again, yeah. or whatever. It seems. Uh, well, while we're on Lightning, I'm like very bullish on Lightning, even though people are poo-pooing it. Um, Lightning Labs this week announced the closing of a C, another Series A round because they already had a Series A round. Right? How can you have two Series A's? Is that yeah, a thing? Did a, they extend the Series was it like A? Ongoing? I don't know. Um, what? $10 million. <laughs> they raised $10 million. Yeah. yeah. And they announced the, the launch of the, the loop beta, um, lightning loop beta, which is uh, an app they've been working on to help around UX of onboarding and offboarding people uh, on the lightning merchants in particular. Um, and uh, Elizabeth Stark wrote a, uh, a great, um, a great medium post entering the decade of lightning uh, sort of laying out uh, what she sees as um uh, the big steps for the next uh the next decade and uh 
particularly revolving around lightning and how uh, it it may be uh, the thing that is talked about over the 2020s. It's talking in her book. Yeah, it's true. Um, lightning Loop is interesting, the beta release, because they've been talking about it for a while, and the idea is that you can rebalance your channels. Um, Without having to open and close them. Right, by going, but yeah, you're doing like an off-chain swap. Yeah, you're so doing an like on-chain swap. swap, yeah. yeah. Um, but what's interesting is they have a centralized server that does the loop, and they're they're charging for that service. So if you loop out, it's going to be 0. 0.05 to 0.5%. And if you loop in, it's 0.1 to 1%. Um, and I've been wondering this for a while. Like, how does, like, why are people investing in Lightning Labs? Like, how do they, like, they, um, they maintain L&D, uh, but where do the where do they make a profit right so supposedly they're going to be releasing a bunch of services like this tools and services that they're going to charge fees on this is good or bad well we have a lot of lightning teams you know uh working on on different implementations uh, we have like five implementations now but three big ones uh so you know lightning labs isn't lightning isn't just lightning labs uh so you know i don't think there's a necessarily a problem with it yeah, and I mean, speaking of other implementations, Eclair version 0.3.3 was released this week by Async. Um, so that... Uh, the big one there is multi-part payments, uh, which the other two... Similar C-Lightning and L&D both added multi-part uh, payment support already. So Eclair is pulling up uh, to meet that. Yeah, and this is actually pretty big too. Uh, determ- deterministic builds... So the core Eclair library um, can now be built deterministically from source. There we go. Just got to slow it down sometimes. Awesome. Um, And the other thing about Lightning Labs is like it's good to you want these companies to have sustainable business models. You know, you want them to be able to last a while and fund a lot of development. And it's just better for the system as a whole. This seems like a relatively reasonable way to make profit while developing Lightning. Yeah. And. I think Elizabeth's a great uh, a great face for for Bitcoin and Lightning. She went on Yahoo Finance this week uh, and and fed some chickens. She she uh, fed uh, polio feed the polio feed polio. Um, one of my favorite applications of Lightning. It is crazy. You just point your your phone at a at an invoice. You pay uh, I believe like seven cents and you feed some chickens that you have no idea where they are. Those lucky chickens. Those chickens are gonna get fat. Whoever's on the uh, you ever going to be enjoying those chickens at their end of life cycle? Very lucky. They're well fed. Um, we'll just stay on the upgrades here. BTC Pay Server uh, upgraded to version one point zero point four point one point. Excuse me, one point. <laughs> what the fuck is with that naming six. system? I don't know. Sats the standard. Big 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 update. Yeah, you can finally price your invoice in Sats. It's huge. It's actually, I mean... Massive. A, well, let's talk about Unibuys for a little bit. And that's one of the biggest problems I see moving forward. I think the exchanges should move to SATs too um, because people are going to be looking at, at... People still don't conceptualize that you can buy a fraction of but, Bitcoin. Yeah, so I mean, the key here is they were displaying balances and SATs already. But like, for instance, on TFTC we can't price any of our things like the dime bag is 10 cents and then it shows it in sats, but we price it in USD cents. Mm-hmm. 
Now you, we can say like the dime bag is 10,000 sats or whatever. You couldn't do that before. You couldn't price it's like a thousand it in sats. Sat. Yeah. But whatever, you know, the point is like we should be able to price in sats. So it's, I'm really excited for that. Yeah. Shout out to the BTC Pay server team. Doing huge things. They came out with the vault stuff last week. Always, always upgrading. All right. 10,000 sats is a dollar. Yeah. Um, Blockstream Green. They came out with version 3.3.3. 3. Um I like that version number. Yeah, it's very, it's a lucky one. Um, Ledger support on the iPhone with the Ledger Nano X because it has Bluetooth in it. So you can ah. do two of two multi-sig with Green Wallet. Uh, and a Ledger. Yeah. And Ledger has their own app that you can use so you with can the Ledger cut, Nano so X you block on the iPhone. Out? No, Blockstream is one of the keys and, and your Ledger's the other one. And they already had support on Android with a USB cable. But wouldn't the Blockstream key be the one on your phone that you... That's it doesn't appear that way. No. Interesting. That's what I thought the setup was going to be. But they seem pretty... Uh, you know, their model, their, their 2 of 2 multi-sig model on the phone is uh, two-factor authentication. So you set uh, either one of those time-based apps or email or text. And then when you do that two-factor, that's why they sign with their key. Um, I actually, I love Greenwald, but I never, I don't have the, I don't have the two factor enabled. Yeah. Um, yeah, I gotta, uh, I gotta hand up here. I gotta, I gotta experiment with Greenwald more. I have it downloaded. I have one wallet, but I have not been playing around with it. It's nice because it's on iPhone and Android. Um, and you can, it has Tor support. So even though you're sending your shit to their servers, um, and they can combine the, they combine, they can link the UTXOs to each other, uh, but at least you're not sending them your IP address. Um, it just gets the job done. It's solid. Yeah. Uh, you were on the war path yesterday, Lolly. Oof. Requiring bank account linked, requiring that you link a bank account to withdraw Bitcoin rewards there. Uh, explanation, um, via email was that they need to. Uh, I mean, KYC compliance, basically, and linking your bank account is, is a way. Yeah, so this is a Bitcoin withdrawal. Mm -hmm. And for some users, it triggers this extra step where they require you to link your bank account um, to basically comply. Their, their, their reasoning is it complies with their KYC requirements. Uh, while not giving them any identity information that they don't need to take any extra identity. So they're basically like trying to inherit the KYC of the bank account. Um, I mean, my problem here is... And it's the bank saying, hey, we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna confirm that these guys are KYC'd. Like none of, the, none of the info goes to Lolly though, right? I'm not sure. You know, I, the, the, they, I think they say that doesn't. Yeah, but I... My issue here is like at the time of withdrawal, like when you're holding the funds hostage, it's like ridiculous. Uh, it just seems it's so user hostile. Like we've seen Binance do it. We've seen so many different custodians do it. Um, and it's just fucked up. I, I like I know they have to comply. Um, I hate KYC and I know like complying companies have to do KYC. Uh, I just I think all KYC should be up front. Uh, instead of like after users, especially since with like Lolly, there's like a 90 day waiting period for your funds. Uh, but let's be clear here. Like Lolly was never a private service to begin with. Like you, they're getting tons of information about you. 
uh, it's KYC. It's like as Janine says, KYC light. Yeah. Um, but this takes it to another step. And just to be clear, this wasn't a bank withdrawal. It was a, to a Bitcoin address. And a couple of people have reported it since. Uh, what is in the, I Crypto Pamp was the first person to post a screenshot, but Fartface, our buddy Fartface, <laughs> confirmed it. A couple other people. Shout out Fartface. Um, Go buy Bitpiggy. Yeah. So not great. Uh, I really, I mean, even before this, like I, I really liked Fold's model better. At least I think for Lolly might be more easier for a pre-coiner, someone who's never been a Bitcoiner, to use that interface, um, like the way they have their referral system set up. But with Fold, like if you're a Bitcoiner and you're willing to go through the gift card route where you're manually pasting gift cards in, um, it's it's nice because you can do it without an account. Um, you instantly get the sats instead of waiting to see if there's a return or something because it's a gift card. Um, and it does give you some additional privacy from uh, your credit card. My credit card company just sees fold, 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 fold on my statement now. And the merchant just sees that you're using a gift card. Uh, so it does, it, it, from everyone but fold, it improves your privacy a little bit. Um, and it has Amazon, uh, which is... Fucking great! I used uh, I used it for Uber this week. Been Ubering. Yeah, stay off the subways. I'm full. Yeah, stay off the subways. And uh, but the one thing to keep in mind here is that you know Fold will probably have to add KYC at some point. I really hope they don't shotgun KYC. I mean, I really hope they never add KYC. But if they do, I hope it's not shotgunned on people. Um, all custodians have this risk. If you have your money with custodians. Um, so you put your credit card in, aren't you KYC basically? Yeah, it's like it's like KYC. Yeah, um, that's true. Yeah, so that's like just like the lightest KYC, um, and yeah, none of these services should be private. But anyway, the the thing you have to remember here is like no matter what, whoever the custodian is, if it's an exchange, if it's a sats back service, if it's a lightning powered game, um, at any point they can withhold your funds, lose your funds, or take your funds. So you got to always keep that, that to a minimum. Not your keys, not your coins. Uh, if you like the service and you have to use it, it, you know, their model relies on a custodian, then just keep that balance as low as possible, like constantly withdraw. So if it ever happens, you can just, you know, eat the loss. Like if it's 20 bucks, 30 bucks, exactly. whatever. You should all have a, a number in your mind, whether it be the amount of sats or the amount of U.S. dollar uh, to begin sweeping funds off, off these apps. Um, and make it and just make it a, uh, a process and uh, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Make it a habit. Um, and hopefully lightning will help on that front because you won't have to like wait for certain thresholds to make the fees worth it. Yeah. Um, we talked about strike last week. I was trying to think because that dropped like literally while we were yeah, hitting we record. Um, this looks cool. I don't I'm, like still trying to grasp my head. I just saw the video. And a little bit of Rodolfo's explanations of it under the tweet. Uh, cold card teasing a new HSM model. Um, seems like they're uh, developing an app that'll let you create uh, permissions for how to interact with your cold card. Okay, so this is dope. It's like I I kind of talked about it on the Matt Corallo and uh, Val pod. Um, we. He basically made it so like anyone could be like a BitGo. So you have a cold card and it can co-sign transactions uh, in a set rule set. So you connect, you have one cold card that's got, got the HSM firmware on it and you, you keep it always plugged in. Um, and if, 
and it's connected to the internet, and if it gets any requests to co-sign, it checks its rules and then can choose whether or not it signs. It seems pretty cool. And you can Be offer your own Bitco. Yeah, exactly. And you could like offer that to friends and family too, if you wanted to. Like if you had your HSM set up, you could. It's all um, coming together, freaks. Again, this takes this shit takes time to build, um, and it seems like dope shit's being built. Rudolph's boss yeah. just just keeps uh, listen, pumping it out. Listen, listen. Uh, Thanks, Dad. Uh, are we worried that uh, there's more money locked in DeFi than there is in Lightning? Nope. <laughs> it's amazing. The Ethereum people are just obsessed with locking up money. It's it's fascinating. It's the pumpamentals. Yeah, and like and again, like number one, apples orange comparison. Because again, you're locking funds in, in Lightning mainly for utility and, and hopefully a little yield. In these DeFi, it's all yield, and uh, the fact that uh, you can you can get more utility by locking up less is actually a better sign, in my opinion. Yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, you just people when they make payments, they should go through, right? That's what, like I wrote about it in the bent this week when we talked about the Big Mac's research piece. Like I've said on this podcast, like I've had incredible experiences with Lightning up to this point. Like set it and forget it, and it's just fucking worked. Yeah, I mean receiving is harder than sending, but sending on low amounts, like you should be able to do it pretty easily. We've had no problems receiving. Yeah, I mean you just need to have inbound liquidity. Yeah, but like stuff like Phoenix and Breeze help with that. Um, should we talk about? Uh, and Lightning Loop will help about that. Yeah. Should help. Similar services. Should we talk about your, your impersonator? I don't know. Just people are impersonating me all over on all the platforms. Just be aware. Be aware. Uh, Verify. Double, double check the usernames. Yeah. Um, I will never ask you for an address or your mnemonic seed or something. Uh, no, I will never ask you to send me money, so keep that in mind. Yeah. Um, staying on the hardware. Side of it, Shift Crypto released uh, results of their new tamper evident. You see this? This is fucking cool. Test. Um, I did not see it. So they like created. Do you remember when they created this tamper evident uh, package to begin with, like a couple months ago? And then they asked for beta testers, and they sent it out, and they were like, "Try and break into it without people knowing." And it seems pretty cool. So what are they? They're using so freezing Bitbox tep to minus 196 degrees Celsius. Well, that's just an attempt yeah. to see if they can... They have, like, this little pouch in the top that has these little... Uh, Beads? Yeah. And so, so they take a picture of how it looks, and the idea is if the pouch gets manipulated in the open, then you can compare it to the picture, and you can see... Because it's, it's what we talk about on the podcast a lot, which is uh, supply chain attacks. When you get your hardware wallet mailed to you, if someone intercepts it in the middle. Yeah, this reminds me of... Um I believe Peter Todd talked about it a while ago of another way similar to this seems similar to if you were to like a uh, gloss over a part of the packaging with uh, nail polish with yep. glitter in it and take the picture similar to that. same idea yeah the glitter polish yeah um, again people Since are getting supply chain attacks are something uh, that freak me out we're actually going to be doing a giveaway on dig.com uh, we're going to start launching chill here uh we're gonna start launching uh the ability for people to publish content on dig and we're gonna have like a namespace 
where people can come and uh, find good content about Bitcoin and curation of stuff that's going on uh, in the Bitcoin world. And we're, we're thinking about doing giveaways too, like cold card, noddle, um, a bunch of other stuff, but thinking about how to, how to, uh, architect the, the giveaway. Uh, it's funny. Like, I don't think Diggs going to be buying this and then mailing it. We're going to set it up with individual, uh, providers where the, the winner of the giveaway will provide the information then we'll just pay for it and have it sent from the, from the producer itself. Yeah, just cut out Dig from it altogether. Otherwise, they have to trust Dig. Exactly. Uh, but that's something like the supply chain. The supply chain is something I've been thinking about all week, actually. Yeah, I mean, I think about it all the time. That's why multi-sig is going to be so nice. But also, stuff like this is a big part of it. Um, and I just think just the ability to like walk into a Best Buy and buy something with cash will be a big improvement. Yeah. Because um, most of the time with these supply chain attacks, what you see is it's a targeted attack on like, a couple individuals. It's not like they compromise every single server in Best Buy. They uh, compromise the one server going to the place they want to go to. Yeah, um, that's yeah. That's why I'm not. That's why I'm a big fan of like Junction and the Bitboy. Not Junction, Bitboy. Uh, using Junction and Proof Wallet and Proof Wallet. It's- I, want, I love that shit. I I, I think this year is going to be a big year for uh, multi-sig with your own node. So I'm cautiously optimistic about that as well. Yeah, it's, um, again, I think it's getting slowly but surely. A lot of people like to poo-poo all this shit. Again, it takes time. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to repeat that until my dying breath. All this shit takes time, and it is getting built. Um, speaking of time, the youngins, the use is what I wrote about today. The Zoomers are fighting back against uh, Instagram tracking. Uh, so there was a, an article in CNET dropped a couple days ago, which basically described uh, the way in which... Uh, the youth of the world are getting around Instagram's tracking and it's pretty creative, pretty fucking creative. What they're doing is basically using loopholes within Instagram's system to allow access to a single account by many uh, users to throw off their tracking. So you'll have users scattered throughout the country, throughout the world, even uh, signing into the same account and uh, just fucking with the metadata algorithms. But Instagram could block this if they wanted to. They probably could, but it, again, that's, and that's like the point I tried to make in the bent this morning. Like, what you should glean from this is that you have the youngest, the younger generations, innately creeped out by this tracking stuff, and there's no, there, there's no history or, uh, um, or sort of blueprint for for the for. Uh, for these kids to figure out how to do this, they creatively figure it out themselves just to right. get away from it. And like, definitely good to see. So that's something like you have to think about what fucking world do we want to live in? Like you, the youth of the world is creeped out by the, the world that they're growing up in to the point where they're finding creative ways to work around this shit. Like, is that really the atmosphere we want to create for the, for our kids? I mean, the next generation is going to have facial recognition in all their classes too. So, <sighs> fight back speak up fight back i mean it's really good to see it's really good to see right that's what the monero comment was it was like the zoomers love monero right <laughs> no i don't think so i like paul it was that yeah it was tweeting paul's right i muted that guy he's the guy he does mind monero yeah i muted him get out of my bench he's stupid <laughs> shit <laughs> um uh citadel workshop finally got a spot 
Yeah, we do. I think we only have 10 spots, 10 tickets left. Let me see. So get on it if you haven't. 10 tickets left. Uh, and you can buy extra cold cards if you want to. And then you don't have to, I guess you have to like kind of trust us a little bit, but we don't open the seal or anything. <laughs> um, but at least you don't give your address to a cold card so you can pick it up um, at the Citadel Workshop. Um, so we're going to be doing cold card. Uh, we're going to be doing using your cold card with your own full node um, using Wasabi because uh, I, I still think, even though I like Samurai better for coin joins, um, I think Wasabi is a much easier way to interact with your hardware wallet than using Electrum and Electrum server. Um, so you'll need a cold card. You'll need an SD card. Uh, you'll need a USB cable and a computer. Um, and either a wall plug or a battery pack. I tend to like the wall plug better. Yeah, it's big, more reliable. Big wall plug fan. And uh, I forgot that at my first Citadel work- workshop. Yeah. So if you buy if you buy a cold card, we also are providing an SD card with that. All right. Sweet. Um, so there's ten spots left. That's going to be March 26th before Bitcoin 2020 in San Francisco. Uh, the Flatiron School is hosting us. So shout out to them. Uh, it's fucking awesome, and it's going to be 11 to 2 p.m. And then uh, BTC Pay is also doing something. Um, I think that might be invite only. Yeah, that's private. Yeah. Um, so a custom, and this was cool this week. You, you, We mentioned it last week. You uh, got on the horn talking to the Light Night game. Guys, uh, we have a, a special weapon skin. TFTC does a custom weapon skin. Sexy as fuck. Uh, so we got a link here. Uh, if you guys want to pre-order Light Night, um, you're going to get 20% off and this special skin. Yeah, uh, so as we said earlier, wow, it was just a really productive week from episode to episode. Uh, <laughs> so that's fucking dope. Uh, I, uh, yeah, so Light Night, we talked about this before. It's from the Satoshi Games guys. Uh, it's... Uh, a battle royale style game it's currently in development so they're using these pre-orders to fund the development um and the idea is that it's a battle royale fortnite style game that uses sats as the in-game currency so you can use it for skins and stuff like that or you can actually when you kill someone you earn sats from them um so i think that's really cool because i like gaming and i like sats uh, and now we have a weapon skin, so the Zoomers love that shit. I haven't gamed in quite a while. This might be the first time I get back into it. Uh, I can't remember the last time I picked up the sticks. Honestly, I don't know. Not, yeah. What, uh, what, are you picking up the sticks a lot these days? No, I actually haven't been, been playing that much recently. But uh, I will when Light Night comes out. I'm super, I'm super excited for it. And I, just, I, I like that you, know, you support the development of it. Uh, it could be a big thing, so. Yeah. Um, that's all we got on the topic list. What are we riffing on? Oh, ooh, Matt just... I just spilled coffee all over myself. Matt just spilled coffee. Um, I, uh, you want to talk about Zero Hedge for a little bit? Oh, uh, yeah, we can do that. Um, yeah, Zero Hedge banned, and Ox actually found out Project Veritas just got banned yesterday as well. Found that out before we hit record. It seems that Twitter is cracking down. Um on free speech uh again it's uh so zero hedge they got in trouble for their coverage of the coronavirus um and their account has been banned for life um they said it was for doxing right they said it was for doxing really for doxing uh the the information was public that they they shared but then they probably did what they uh 
what they uh, imp- implied was a little pay him a visit. Yeah, it was very uncouth. Yeah, and I mean, I was, I look, I, I'm a little bit torn on it. I like, I don't think anyone should have the power to to block anyone off these platforms. Like, I think we need platforms that are distributed so people can't. Uh, there's there's no central control over them to begin with. Um, and then you wouldn't even be in this situation. But at the same time, like the reason they really blocked them is because that headline that they ran with was like, it was the most alarmist article ever. Like I, I remember seeing it when it posted and it was, you know, they were saying, uh, it was basically like there's an HIV flu that like the Chinese made that are going to like kill us all. And like people were panicking like fuck and Twitter panicked and got and got them on a technicality on the docs bullshit. Right. Like that's what that was. But do we know what's true and what's not? Uh, I the likelihood that the Chinese put HIV into SARS or whatever to create this, you know, like super HIV bug thing is very, very, very negligible. Very low. Um, But. Again, we don't have all the data. We don't know what's true, what's not. And I'm not saying it's true. Um, I'm not saying it's true. It's, uh, it's, we're getting, it's a slippery slope, right? Like, who do we want the arbiters of truth to be? And Francis Paulette, uh from uh, Bull Bitcoin tweeted this out a couple of days ago. Uh, he basically jumped into Twitter's new uh, internal rules. And so their new rules uh, will now label tweets, provide warnings, reduce their visibility, and provide uh, their own alternative explanations of what is true and what is false. So if it falsely depicts content as reality, Twitter is going to flag it and and present what they deem to be the truth. And that's where the slippery slope enters. Like, who is the arbiter of truth? No, yeah. I mean, like I said, I don't think... Uh I don't think these like anyone should have the power to censor these platforms. Like I think we need to move to a place where cuz the the problem here is that Twitter is they put themselves in this fucking and I think that's why like Jack wants, you know, like is launching this blue sky group that he has uh to try and distribute Twitter out more um and make it more of a protocol than a company because they're in this fucking horror like this terrible situation where they're being held liable for the stuff that gets shared on the platform. Uh, so then they, they have to step in and, and do this fucking shit. Right. So really where we need to be is we need to be in a position where it is a protocol and it's not a company and that no one has that control. So it's just all fucking moot in the first place. And even in that situation, there could still be moderation. You just subscribe to like different moderation policies or whatever, you know, and you'll have choice. You can move around. It's not like one company has control over that shit. Yeah, I mean, this is a topic that has me torn because Twitter is a, a, an app, a company that's provided my life with incredible value. I would not be here right now without Twitter. Twitter, as a networking tool, has got me to this point, undoubtedly. The most powerful tool in my life to get me to where I am today as uh, when it comes to networking and, and meeting, pe- meeting meeting you. and um, Yeah, we met through Twitter. Yeah, a bunch it's of other Twitter people. love. And it's just like, it's so disheartening to see them having to, to do this shit um, and them doing it. And like, like a lot of people want to blame Jack singularly, but I do think that he does not like having to do this. Uh, I mean, it's bad for business too. Yeah. Um, so it's just fuck. It's like, fuck, come on. Like, why? I, I, yeah, I, um, yeah. And like just tomorrow they can just 
just cut off your Twitter existence with like no repercussions well, that, and no explanation. They can just cut you off. Well, that's the fucked up thing. Like, so uh, Michael Krieger from Liberty Blitzkrieg, he wrote a great piece on this earlier this week and basically highlighted the fact that now that Zero Hedge is banned, uh, you can't even go back and see their old tweets or people's responses to their tweets. So you basically have like a whitewashing of history. Like whether you like it or not, those tweets were a part of history and were archivable, but now they are not. And that's, that's where like the censor, um, the censor rule gets scary, right? Yeah. I just, just wiping out parts of history. Yeah. I just think, yeah, it's, it's fucked up, you know, but it's like a lost cause. Like we need distributed platforms instead. We don't, you know, um, it's, it's, it's like, uh, it's the logical, extreme of what all these centralized platforms are going to always become yeah you're never going to be able to avoid it yeah unless it's distributed yeah no and again it seems like jack wants that to happen we'll see i believe it when we see it same 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 cautiously optimistic um the words of the day yeah uh that's all i got that's all i got i'm trying to think what else we could riff on privacy yeah so there's a new school in uh Another school district in upstate New York that's adding facial recognition. Um, just, just fucked up. Think about what you think about what you're subjecting your children to, freaks. Uh, you're gonna send them to go be surveilled all day. Is that what you want? Is that the world you want? You want your world, the world, to be a place where your kid grows up creeped out and worried about being tracked, always being watched, always being watched. Big Brother's watching you. He's watching us. And hopefully, again, speak up as we're, as you're seeing. Uh, speaking up works, I think. Oh, you want to talk about Tesla? <laughs> I mean, to the moon. Tesla, it's under 700 again, right? Hit 935 at one point. Higher, I think, right? I'm not even sure. Yeah, that was crazy. That felt like 2017. Uh, I feel like dot com. Bitcoin markets. Like irrational exuberance defined or personified. Just personified. top things. Yeah. Yeah, it's, um, I mean, hopefully a lot of people, maybe people were rolling their, their Tesla profits into Twitter, and that's why we pumped. Yeah, into Bitcoin? Into Bitcoin, when I say Twitter. Twitter pumped, too. Twitter, yeah, Twitter's up like 10% today. Yeah. Uh, it's possible, either or. Um, yeah, and, and, and again, uh, it looks like we're, I mean, yeah, I'm not going to say we're going into another bull market, but somebody pointed out today. When all-time high, Marty. I don't know. But, like, uh, again, a lot of the shit coins are going to pump, too, and the shills are going to come out. They've already started. They've already started. Ah, uh, I'm tired. I don't, you know, I'm not ready for it. It's going to come, though. It's coming. I'm not ready for it. It's coming. We're not ready for it. Never ready for it. Um, tired just thinking about it. Yeah, just think of, try to find the signal out there. There's, uh, these illiquid shit coins can be gamed. Um, retail tends to be pretty dumb when they first get in the space a lot of people just throwing darts at the board uh, a lot of unit bias out there um hey who knows maybe it's fundamentals and we're just jaded old geriatric fucks. it's definitely not fundamentals yeah but i mean look you're just the majority of people are going to get their ass kicked if they try and trade altcoins so yeah but you're welcome to try if you want to yeah everyone needs to touch the stove every once yeah, in a while your dick pushed in it's happened to us um yeah, that's all we got. We're now we're in. Stay humble, stack sets. Peace and love. <laughs>